Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Today, uh, we're going to be speaking. The text today is out of Acts chapter 20. If you want to follow along in your Bible, uh, if you don't have one, you didn't bring one, they'll put it up on the screens for you. But I want to give you a little bit of context, a little bit of background of what we're going to talk about this morning in Acts chapter 20. Uh, Here in this particular part of the, the scripture is where Paul is addressing this very special group of church leaders. So Paul is at the tail end of a missionary journey, and he's going to Jerusalem. And as we'll find out in just a minute, as he sails back, he longs to connect with the leaders of what is essentially the church plant in Ephesus. And he clearly says in scripture that he didn't want to land in Ephesus because he didn't want to get stuck in Asia. He knew it would delay him. And yet he was trying to get back to Jerusalem on time for the Passover. Now, I find this little bit of scripture somewhat humorous. It kind of cracks me up a little bit. And here's why. Because this is one of those moments in scripture, especially in the New Testament, that Paul is incredibly relatable. Because I think we all have those people in our lives that we know that if we start conversation with them and we're in a hurry, we ain't getting out. We're going to be delayed, right? <laughs> and so that, that's where he's at. And, and don't act, let's not try to be overtly spiritual and act like we don't have those people in our lives because we do. You know who they are. It's those people that when we're, we're trying to leave work on time and get home or we're leaving church or maybe just trying to run in and out of the grocery store to grab something real quick, and you're just part of you. Maybe I'm being too transparent right now, but part of you is just like, man, I kind of hope I don't run into anybody I know because then we're going to have to talk, but I got to be somewhere. And then you lock eyes with that person, and you're like, oh, no. Well, I'm done. It's over. There's no way that I'm getting where I need to go. That is where we find Paul right now in Acts 20. And don't get me wrong, just like we all love those people that we're going to maybe bump into, Paul loves the church of Ephesus. He really does. He loves those church leaders. And, but he knows if he, gets, if, he, if he docks his ship there, he's going to get delayed. So instead, he keeps going on to where he was planning to go, which is Miletus, and he just asks the church leaders from Ephesus to meet him there. And in verse 25, we learn that what he's really trying to do is say goodbye. He's saying goodbye to them. He says in verse 25, point blank, he says, I'll never see your face again in this life. Because Paul has this leading from the Holy Spirit that danger is coming for him and he may be imprisoned and unable to continue his missionary journeys. He feels like something's about to happen. Just Have you ever had that where the Spirit just kind of puts it on your heart? Something doesn't quite feel right. 
But Paul has that and he knows that things are starting to get really tough and rough on believers. And so he's giving these leaders this passion-filled farewell speech, if you will. And I really believe that what he said then resonates with all of us today just as well as it resonated with those leaders of the church of Ephesus. And I really believe that if we study that scripture this morning, it's going to help us with a couple of things as believers. One, it's going to help with how can we prepare for what might be coming down the road. And the second is, what can we expect about what's coming down the road in this journey of faith in the coming days, weeks, and months? Because how many would agree right here in this building, boy, this life for, for believers, even over here in the United States anymore, it's not cushy any longer. And it's only going to continue to get worse. We need to be prepared. But we got good news. So let's read in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. This is Paul speaking to these leaders of Ephesus. And he says, and now compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task Lord Jesus Christ has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Paul's telling these leaders in this room, in this farewell speech, he's saying essentially, hey guys, listen to what I have to say because I'm going to tell you what my life is all about and you too should aspire to what my life is about. He's telling these leaders, hey, this is my destiny. This is my purpose. I take it seriously and I want to pass it on to you. And I believe there's a ton that we can glean from these few verses of scripture from Paul for our own spiritual journey. And that's what we're going to dive into this morning. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the honor and the privilege to be able to bring your word to your people. And Lord, I pray that this morning, Lord, you would speak through me in a powerful way and it would truly be your words and not mine. And it would penetrate the hearts of every single person that's in the building and that's watching from home. Lord, I pray that lives are changed because of the power of your Holy Spirit and that none of us walk out of these doors the same way we walked in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So right there off the get-go, we see that Paul says in verse 22, he says, and now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Have you ever been compelled by anything? Like has something just compelled you? You've seen something and you're like, I don't like that and I want it to change. And if nobody else is going to do something about it, I will. You were compelled. Because I, I can tell you, every one of us should pray daily that we are compelled by the Holy Spirit. Because see, the way that Paul uses the word here, the word compelled, as Paul's using it, is in the Greek actually translated to deo, which means to be wrapped up in or captured by. Now, a lot of times we would think, oh, captured or wrapped in chains. That's not good. I don't want to be captured or wrapped in chains. But he's actually using it in a good tense here. And that he's saying, my entire life is encapsulated by this purpose. 
Like I can't escape this purpose that God has on my life. No matter how hard I may try or what I may do, I can't separate myself from the purpose and the destiny that God has placed on my life. He's saying, man, I am on a mission and I'm focused and there's nothing that can take me away from it. And what we can learn from that is the importance, and this is number one in your notes, for you to set your focus. Set your focus. Paul was on a mission. He was focused. Paul was going somewhere. He said right there in that scripture, I am going to Jerusalem. He had a plan. And you and I should live our lives with that kind of intentional purpose and conviction. But yet too often, and it starts with teenagers. I I get the honor to to work with teenagers every day, every week. And it starts there. and, And if it's not caught there, then it drifts into adulthood where you see these people that are living without intentionality. I mean, they, they, they have no destination and they're just aimlessly drifting and wandering through life. Having no idea what they've been put on this earth to do. They seem to be numb. They seem to not have any passions that's drawn them. They're not being compelled. Yet there should be. We got to pray for a compelling inside of us. You got to ask yourself a few questions. You got to ask yourself, what drives me? Like when you're doing this thing, does it make you feel alive? What is that? What grieves me? Is there something that when you see it, whether it's on the news or maybe you see it in person and when you see it, it just grieves your heart, just tears you up inside. What is it? What injustice do you see that that you're called to solve? What are you passionate about? What really gets you going? What's that thing that the moment that topic gets brought up, all of a sudden they can't shut you up because you're so passionate about it? What is it? Because here at New Song, we truly believe that where your personality and your gifts and your passions all kind of come together and collide, that's where you're going to discover your purpose. So you got to know, what are your, what are your passions? Well, how did God wire you? Because he wired all of us on purpose, with a purpose. The personality that you have is on purpose. Oh, but people tell me I'm bossy. Well, that's because it's gotten a little unhealthy, but God is giving you a gift of leadership. just have to keep it healthy, not let it get toxic to where it starts to drift off into bossiness and judgment and everything else. But you have been wired on purpose. And when you discover that intersection of gifts, personalities, and passions, there is where you'll find your purpose. And your purpose is that very thing that God has placed you on this earth to do for his glory and for his kingdom growth, not for your own. And I really believe that the key to fueling your purpose is to make sure you maintain a right perspective of your purpose. You see, most, if not all of the time, New Song, our purpose is not comfortable. I hate to share that with you, right? Like, oh, come on, pastor. I came here for a feel-good message. Well, I'm here to just preach the truth, if that's okay with you. All right, your purpose is not going to be comfortable. 
Chances are your purpose will make you uncomfortable and it's going to cost you something. There's going to be an exchange. You see, the disciples' purpose cost them their life. There was an exchange. Paul's purpose that we're reading about, that he can sense from the Spirit is about to happen. Paul's purpose would ultimately cost him his life as well. But he has an amazing perspective of it that if we could get this kind of perspective, it would change our lives. He says in verse 24, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. And you have to understand when we read that scripture, Paul is not being a downer. Paul is not having a rough day and battling his mind. He's not saying, well, he's not Eeyore. I guess, I guess my life's just not worth nothing. It's not what he's saying. He's saying my life as in what I think I want for my life means nothing. These these desires of my heart that really are kind of selfish and maybe even materialistic at their heart, that means nothing to me. But actually what God has on my life, what God wants me to do, my purpose that I'm telling you about, that is what means something. And I wanted to put this quote up there that says, when this life means something, your calling means nothing. So essentially it's saying, hey, when when you put so much stock in this life that you start to push aside things that are actually eternal and make a real difference, then all of a sudden your calling's not worth anything because you've placed all your stock in this life. It's not about this life. Paul's telling us that. He said, it's not about this life, guys. It's about the next life. It's about heaven. It's about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people to where they're going to get saved. They're going to get delivered. They're going to be set free. It's going to be incredible. They're going to become a disciple that makes disciples. And then, wow, that's what it's about. It's not about what you can acquire. That means nothing. It's your calling that means something. Paul says in the rest of Acts verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 24, he says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me, the task of testifying to the good news, the gospel of God's grace. Paul's telling this group of leaders and he's telling us today that his whole life became about the cross of Jesus Christ entire life. He was obsessed by it. It's what he was compelled to do. It was what he was compelled to share with everybody he ran into. It's one of the things that's so neat when you meet somebody that truly has embraced their gift of evangelism. It's really incredible that they are not afraid to go up anybody at any time, could be a complete stranger, and they are so compelled by the Spirit that they say, no, I, I'm not going to allow that person to go through life without hearing about Jesus. I'm going to tell them about him right now. It's a compelling, that's the kind of compelling that Paul had. But how will you maintain this proper perspective when it seems like everything is caving in around you? Because New Song, that's where we find ourselves as believers today. 
I really believe that we find ourselves feeling as though everything is caving in around us. Culture's crumbling. We're no longer one nation under God. As a matter of fact, you're very much in the minority if you truly follow Jesus. We're up against it. And the only way that you're going to be able to maintain proper perspective, that you're going to maintain everything that you need is to do it in God's word. John 17, 17 says this. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You see, the way that we maintain our perspective so that we stay connected, that we stay focused to what our purpose is, is to stay in God's word. It's the only way we're going to be able to do it. And this word sanctification, I know, especially if you're maybe in here and you're new to church, you're going, pastor, what in the world is that? Sanctification is a spiritual term that literally means to be purified. And it is the process that God walks all of us as followers to him through, and it's to judge and to deal with and to change our attitudes, thoughts, and behavior. And the Bible says that that process happens through truth. Here's the problem. Truth has been skewed in culture today. And can I tell you, if you want to know why the devil is attacking truth in our country, it's because if you don't have absolute truth, then you don't have any hope for change. And he knows this. So the devil is trying to redefine truth in this day and age. I see it constantly. It would break your heart what our teenagers have to go through just going to high school or middle school. The devil is trying to convince you that you have your truth and they have their truth and we all just need to be happy with whatever truth they have. No. It's just not the way it works. You see, God is the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. He always has been, and he always will be. He is the creator. He's the designer. He has the right to be God. He's already settled what is truth in his word. We don't have to defend God. It was true when it was written It will be true up into the foundations of the earth being destroyed and a new heaven and a new earth come. God's word is always true. Now you might not like what it says, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. But we live in a society now that says, oh, I'm offended by that. I don't like that. Therefore, I'm going to make sure that we change what truth really is so that we don't have to listen to. God has a right to be God. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what people think. And here's the thing. I'm not mad at the world for going their own way in sin. Like, I'm not mad for non-Christians behaving like non-Christians. It grieves my heart. Breaks my heart when I see people trapped in sin and taking it as truth and saying that, oh, it's okay to feel this way. Breaks my heart, but I'm not mad about it. But what I do get upset about is when the capital C church is afraid to say 
in truth and love, I'm sorry, but that's just not true. Because listen, New Song, if the church just begins to compromise at every corner and say things like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I've been reading that scripture too. It kind of, it's a little abrasive. Kind of rubs you the wrong way. So you know what? It's okay. You can sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. You know, and, and it's okay. You can just be whatever gender you want to this week. And, and you, can, you can just do whatever you want to do because obviously if it feels good, it must be right. Church, if we do that, you're not helping anybody. Actually, what you're doing is you're helping people to stay in sin. You're helping people to stay broken and to stay lost. And I don't know about you, but I have no interest in that mission. That's not the mission of Christ's church. Our mission is not to make people feel good. I hope you know that. I hope you, man, when you come into New Song, I want you to feel welcomed. I want you to feel loved. I want it to be incredible. But did you know we don't meet for 70 minutes on Sunday morning so that you feel good? No, it goes way beyond that. We, we, we come because, hey, we get to, we worship an almighty God. We get to learn from his word, be encouraged by his word, even when it's a little bit harsh, but so that we can be equipped, that we can experience freedom that only the Holy Spirit can provide through what Christ did on the cross. We experience that. And then we say, you know what? I don't want to keep that to myself. I got to be able to share this. I got to go out in the streets beyond these four walls and make a difference. You're compelled to. Because I'm telling you, People need to realize. They need to realize because there is a real heaven to gain and a real hell to pay. People need to know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. It's the good news of the gospel that Jesus paid the ultimate price. He took on the punishment that we deserved. That's the truth. I don't want people to stay in sin. I want them to wake up to the truth that will set them free. And if we don't tell them, who will? If we don't go, who will? Because I can tell you from experience, sin doesn't work. It doesn't. It's fleeting. It's fun for a few minutes. And then all it brings is pain, brokenness, problems, and dysfunction. It's God's word that is truth. But isn't it funny how the world loves to make you feel absolutely crazy and like you have lost your mind when you live by the principles of the Bible. That when your worldview is that of scripture, they think you have lost your mind. You know, when you, if you have an opportunity to, to talk to someone and they're saying, hey, you know, so, man, so how do, you, how do you live your life, man? Like I've been, you know, you finally get to that point where they're like, man, I've kind of made some bad choices, this and that. Man, how are you where you're at? And you go, man, I tell you what, we just follow what scripture says, man. We believe that it's true. And hey, this is what we do, how we raise our kids. And they're like, what? You do, 
You're concerned about what they watch and listen to? That seems a little extreme. But wait a second. You do what? You actually have friendships within the church and you ask for them to be, a, to hold you accountable for things that you look at on the internet and all the, what? That seems extreme. The world thinks we're nuts. And the problem too is that we live in this age of disinformation. Like there is nonstop propaganda shoved at you 24 seven. And I'm telling you the only way that you can cut through the noise is getting back into God's word. That's the only way. Because when you hold God's word as your higher truth, now all of a sudden you don't fear the things that the world fears. All of a sudden you you don't act the way that the world acts. You see, because my Bible says no weapon formed against me will prosper. So now all of a sudden, any, any weapon that seems to be formed against me, whether it seems to come from a person or it seems to come from a sickness or a disease, whatever that may be, now all of a sudden I don't have to fear it because no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. That is a promise from God. My Bible says that, hey, one day I'll pass from this life to heaven. Absent from this body is present with the Lord. My home isn't here. My home's actually in heaven. I don't have to worry about those things that's going on, the craziness, the, the why. Now, I'm not saying be an ostrich and stick your head in the sand. No, God's got a plan and a purpose for you in this moment. But I'm saying don't be overwhelmed with fear from what's going on around you. Don't let it take you over. My Bible says angels surround me and protect me. So of course, we're going to live our life differently than the people who buy into the truth that the world is selling. And we've got to set our focus. Paul finishes verse 22 saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Not knowing. You see, some of you in this room, you know what God's called you to do. You know what you're being compelled towards. You know what your passions, what your gifts are, and yet you're not stepping out because you require every single step of the plan before you make the first step. You're saying, well, God, if I just had a little bit more information, I'd be willing to make that leap. And often you're waiting on the Lord, but in all actuality, the Lord is waiting on you because I hate to burst your bubble, but God's not going to give you every step of the plan before it comes to pass. It's just not the way he works. Never has been, never will be. He involves some faith from you. And that's number two, step out in faith. So what we can learn from what Paul's saying here, because there will come a point in your life where God has and will call you to do something. He's called you to impact people. And maybe that is you're going to start a new business. Maybe you're going to start a ministry. Maybe you're going to start a small group. Maybe you're just going to start a new friendship. And yet you find yourself getting all caught up in, oh, I need details, God. Can you just tell me, oh, how are we going to do it? Like financially, how would we do that? Oh, I know I feel like you're pulling me and drawing me and compelling me. But I just need all the details, God. 
okay, I'm thinking about starting that new small group, but God, could you just tell me, are there going to be any weirdos that show up? Like, am I going to have to constantly be like diverting the question and say, okay, okay, thank you for sharing that. That's very interesting. Now let's go here. Is that going to happen, God? Because if it is, I don't know if I want to do it. God, what's going to happen? And yet God's up there going, hey, sorry, no. It's not how it works. I'm going to need you to step out in faith because 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us, for we live by faith, not by sight. As Christians, we believe by faith. We trust in Jesus. Not by all the details that we can collect and all the things that we can see and touch. You know, it's interesting. A lot of times, and I know it's just human nature. We just like to know all the details. We just, we're not comfortable with faith and we are creatures of comfort. So we want to just know, okay, what's going to happen? And I remember I learned a very important thing just about how God is good and God is sovereign. When I first started, uh, when we first took over the youth group almost seven years ago, which is amazing to say, almost seven years ago, and just in that first year and a half, two years of ministry, we actually lost two teenagers, one to suicide and another one to a bad car accident. And so I started getting asked all these really tough questions of like, well, Pastor Josh, I don't understand. They love the Lord. So why would, why would God allow that? Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? That's a tough question to answer. I was telling him, I said, hey, we, we have to have faith for one to know that in all things, God is good. And then my mentor gave me an incredible, visual that made so much sense. And I've been able to use it to really help some teenagers. And I hope it's a blessing to you this morning. And that is, and it's going to be very relevant to you because many of you probably ran out uh, yesterday and on Black Friday, bought you a big old big screen TV, right? For a cheap price. So you'll understand. But he said, imagine this, God in heaven, he gets the whole picture. He, He gets the whole perspective. He knows what's going on. And we get one little dot, one little dot of resolution. You think if you bought a 4K TV, you know what that means? That means 4,000 pixels per square inch. Mind-blowing when you think about the technology, right? We get one pixel to view in our life. And we just have to trust that the God who's looking at the whole screen in 4K, that he's good and that everything's going to work out for his purposes and for those that love him. But we know he's good. We just got to trust him. He sees it all. We get one pixel. It makes a huge difference. Because trust me, I mean, I've experienced it. It didn't make a lick of sense on paper for me to leave my insurance career and start to be a full-time youth pastor at this church. The world thought it was nuts. As a matter of fact, I left my district manager literally speechless for about two minutes at the Pizza Hut Knox. You could see the fireworks going off. He's like, this, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you do this? And I said, man, I just have this compelling inside of me from the spirit that's saying, I, I have to. Like, this is what I'm called to do. This is, this is what I'm meant to do. And can I tell you, seven years later, we've never looked back He's always provided for us. We've been able to see the lives of teenagers around this community and around this county changed. It's incredible. 
And we have experienced a joy that we never thought possible because I get to wake up every morning and go, man, I get to go do exactly what God's placed me on this earth to do. There's something about that. What's God placed you on this earth to do? What has he compelled you to do? We got to have faith. And here's the tricky thing about faith is that faith requires you to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Welcome to Christianity. Buckle up, you control freaks. Why? Because God is going to ask you to do some things when you don't know the outcome and it doesn't make any sense and the rest of the world is calling you crazy. But know that you're not the first person to go through that. Man, we read in Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Now, it's easy for us because we kind of know this story and we know how things end up. But imagine being Noah and Noah's neighbors. You got to figure here he is. He's building the biggest boat the world has seen to this point. And he was nowhere near a body of water and it had never rained, not even a drizzle on the earth at that point. Why did he do it? Because God told him to. And he trusted that what God said was absolute truth. And look what happened. Even though I'm sure, trust me, his neighbors thought he had lost his mind. They were probably ridiculing him and mocking him. I'm sure for probably about 80 years, at least, he heard, you're an idiot. That's crazy. You have lost your mind. Are you ready for some of that? Because it's coming if it hasn't already. That's what the life of faith is going to look like in this world. I hope you know that. But it's all because we live by faith, not by what the world defines as fact. You see, the world can have their facts. I'm fine with that. God gave us a brain for a reason. But I'm telling you that as far as it goes for me and my family, I'm going to be a person of faith. And if the Holy Spirit compels me to step out in faith, to live the life that God has called me to live, then no matter how crazy it looks, no matter how the rest of the world thinks about it or says about it, I'm going to have to live by faith and pray that it works out. Who are you called to reach? Paul said, I I don't know what's going to happen when I go, but here's what I do know. Verse 23, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Paul was saying, I'm uncertain about what's going to happen. I don't know if when I go to Jerusalem, if it's going to be revival or prison. But the Spirit's kind of leaning me towards, it's probably going to be prison and hardships. And could I submit to you, New Song, that Christians like you and like me, hardships are on their way. If they haven't already hit, hardships are on their way. And it's time for you and me to do number three here, and that is stand your ground. It's time for the body of Christ to be who God has called us to be, despite what the world and culture thinks about us. We read in Ephesians 6, 11 through 12, it says, put on all of God's armor 
so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. You see, Newstock, it's very important for you to know that your problem isn't with a person. It may seem that way. It may appear that way. But your problem isn't with that manager at work. Your problem isn't with that family member that you seemingly keep butting heads with and it feels like they're on special mission from the devil to destroy your life. It's not with them. No. We're not fighting people. We're fighting in the spiritual realm. That's what we're up against. And I don't want you to think, oh, well, you know what, Pastor Josh? Actually, I have no conflict with anybody. No human conflict here. I'm good. Oh, no, you're battling. Because if you're not fighting, you're losing. Because it's not in the seen world. It's in the unseen world. Because I can tell you, I promise you this. All of hell is fighting against fulfilling you fulfilling your purpose. Have you ever thought of this? The devil's not nearly as concerned with sending you to hell as he is with distracting you from your purpose. For many of you in this room, you've already made that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life. So the devil knows he's already lost you. But now he goes, ooh, but if I can distract him, if I can, if I can take them off and away from their purpose, maybe, maybe I can distract them with success. Maybe I can distract them with, with just tragedy after tragedy and they just give up. I might not have them, but if I can get their purpose, then all the hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of people that God has called you to minister to, then who's going to minister to them? That's what the devil's out to get is your purpose. He wants to distract you. And can I tell you, the devil's been working overtime to destroy our morals our culture, our truth. He's trying to destroy our country. And we need to wake up to what's happening. And the fact that it's not a battle against a person, it's not a battle against a political party, it is a spiritual battle that we're up against. Well, pastor, what do we do about it? Well, if we read on in Ephesians 6, it says this, it says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. Because there's nothing for you to fear. That's what's incredible. For all you that have been battling fear over the last couple of years, you're going to love to hear this. We don't have to fear the things that the world fears. Because if we remember, God's going to win. He already has. And truth will always prevail. The church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped, no matter how hard they try. Jesus told Peter, you might remember this, Jesus told Peter, you are the rock in which I will build my church, and even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
people can throw everything they have and the kitchen sink at us. And God's promise right there for us is that they will not prevail against us. It doesn't matter what media says. doesn't matter what Facebook, Instagram, whatever they call themselves now. doesn't matter what they say. The word of God says we are more than overcomers. The word of God says that all we have to do is stand our ground. Trust in God. Trust that he is true. There are people's eternities, new song, that are hanging in the balance of you being obedient to the call that God has placed on your life. There is a Jerusalem that the Holy Spirit wants to compel you towards. There are people today whose lives are counting on you to say yes. For you to finally surrender what you want to do with your life and say, no, I give it all to you, God. I make you Lord of my life. I'm tired of trying to run my own life. For you to say, yes, I'll start that small group. Yes, I'll share my faith. Yes, I'll fight for this marriage no matter what it takes. Yes, I'll do whatever God wants me to do. New song, we are a spiritual army. We we are the local body of Christ. We are the hope of the world. This is not a time to shrink back in fear. No, we can't sit silently by letting modern culture push us around and tell us what we think our truth should be. We must stand tall in boldness, proclaiming the truth to the world around us. But we have to do it like Jesus did, in both truth and love. Because if we just do it in all love, then it's, oh, well, as long as you feel good, do whatever you want, it's okay. But if we do it all in truth, it's, oh, you know where you're going? That's not gonna work. That repels, that doesn't attract. So we have to proclaim the truth to the world in both love and truth, just like Jesus. And that's what's gonna rescue the souls of humanity. New song, would you stand with me? So I wanna pray. I believe that there's some in this room that are saying, you know what, pastor, I've been compelled this morning. That, that man, I've, I've been trying to live my life on my own and I've been distancing myself from God and the things that I know to be true, distancing myself from it. But today, I wanna make that choice to follow Jesus. Maybe for the first time, or maybe you did have a relationship with Jesus, but now all of a sudden you found yourself through some distractions, through some circumstances that were out of your control, you have found yourself distancing yourself from God. And you say, no, I'm done with that. This morning, I'm giving you everything. I'm not holding on to any of it. It's all yours. With every eye closed and head bowed, if that's you and you wanna be included in on that prayer, would you just shoot your hand up right now? I see those hands. That's incredible. Going up all over the place. Is there anybody else that you're saying, Pastor, include me in that prayer? It's awesome. You can go ahead and put your hands down. First part of this prayer is for you. 
then I want to pray over the rest of you guys and girls. And I'm believing that God is going to give us everything that we need to be able to stand our ground, to answer our call, and to be able to go outside of these four walls and make a difference. Let's pray. Jesus, what I've been doing this life on my own for far too long, and today is the day that I'm giving it all to you. I'm not holding on to any of it any longer. This life isn't mine, it's yours. I believe that you are exactly who you said you were. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. You you took on my punishment that I deserved and you took away my sins through your blood on the cross. But you didn't stay dead. No, you rose again three days later and now you are ascended and you are at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. So Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill me and give me the power and the discernment and the boldness that I need to live this life and to be able to share what hope I have found in you, Lord, with others. And Lord, I pray for everybody else in this building and watching from home. Lord, that you would empower us as the church. Lord, that we would have boldness, that we would be able to speak the truth, hold to that truth, and speak it with boldness in truth and love. And Lord, that we would be able to partner with you to truly make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week. Thank you.